You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. And as a React person, like I've learned this lesson the hard way with React so many times. Like you just, it's the same thing. Like, how do I do this the React way? How do I satisfy React's like paradigm and opinions on things? And and sometimes you spend so much time trying to figure that out that you forget to even go back to basics and and look like what is the web way? Like what are the web APIs that would enable me to do this thing? And that's going back to the the topic at hand, like. That's another reason I really enjoy learning about new web APIs because oftentimes you can solve your problems with with way less code, with way less complexity by just reaching for web APIs for things that otherwise seem really complicated. Join Ben Lesh, Tracy Lee, and Adam Rackus as they talk with Chance Strickland about new web APIs, CSS, RSC, and Tailwind. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Modern Web Podcast. My name is Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet. I am joined by Ben Lesh. Adam Rackus and Chance Strickland. I, this is the first time I've ever said your name out loud, Chance. So did I pronounce it right? <laughs> you did. It's a, a very generic white person name. So you, you did great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Chance isn't that generic. Strickland is like the name of like every other principal in America, though. I yeah, think. but Chance is also not even possible to, to mispronounce. Like people say it wrong. They'll say the wrong word. Chance. Or Chad. Oh yeah, if you're British, I guess. Like, I, yeah. but that, that just sounds kind of regal. So Sean I like that too. <laughs> so uh, we're here. Um, so Chance, you've never been on this before, the Monorail Podcast, but um, mm-hmm. you know, I like to call this like a what, what do I call it? Like tepid, basically tepid takes on hot takes. But maybe we'll <laughs> be more productive with you here because, like, you know, we're talking about things like uh, new web APIs and CSS and all the other fun stuff instead of you know. I yeah, no, I, I, I will say like my hottest take in general is that I think most hot takes are terrible. So that's, yeah, you know, that, that in itself who... is a terrible hot take. I don't even know what to think now. What, yeah. What's the hottest take on the internet right now where you're like, that's, that's, that's that statement just ate itself. <laughs> no, I know it's, it's, it's definitely confusing. No, I, I don't know. I just like our industry has a lot of nuance. I mean, I think most of them do, but like, this is the one that I see all the time. So, but yeah, it's just a lot of nuance in pretty much every every discussion that gets lost, especially if you're active on Twitter, like all of us are. But um, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, all the hot takes really just kind of, I just mute them and move on because most of the time. You're gonna, but tell me what your favorite, your, your, where's or, Adam on the least, other hand? Your least favorite hot take. What Rebels and hot takes. Um, <laughs> I don't know, my least favorite hot take. I don't know. Adam, what's your least favorite hot take as a, a lover of hot takes? Um, that RSCs are uh, unfathomably complicated and the worst thing that ever happened and ruining the web. And I mean, I don't love them like unconditionally, but I think people lose their minds about them too much. Ben, what about you? You can do better than that. That was I'm not happy with my answer. Um, I, I think it's a I think it's a hot take that RSCs exist. They exist. I, that's what I know about them is they're around and I've seen code examples on the internet, but I've, <laughs> yet, I've never seen anything in person approximating an RSC. So I, I love talking to Ben because it's like you, you've been working on these like really hairy low level issues with like a, a, all this async work with observables and whatnot. Like that's sort of where you spend 
a lot of your your time and energy and so like the rest of us are kind of in this like much higher level plane and you're just like not not going to pay attention to the noise just just going to do my work and yeah my head down so so there's simpler problems down here (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about that wait wait till we release um the podcast we're releasing today the clips that I got from Ben are so good. I had to message him and be like, are you okay if I release yeah. this? And he said, release whatever you want. So I have it in text message yeah. and now I have him agreeing on video. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's two types of people with opinions about me in the world right now, which is there's, there's one group that's like, oh, Ben Lash, he's the RxJS guy and I love Angular and I love observables and blah, 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 blah. And then there's a much larger group of people that are like, RxJS is garbage and Ben's old. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, I don't know. They're not like, I'm old, wrong. but I like RSJF. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like RSJS. I don't like how people use it sometimes, but I do like it. What so, Chance, um, APIs. What are you like? Yeah. What are you stoked on right now? What are you watching, playing around with? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I got a new job about a year ago. Um, folks probably have never heard of my company. It's a small startup called Replo. But um, for for folks who don't know about my background, like I did a lot in the open source space before I uh, before I moved back to uh, product world, but I I was uh, maintaining and working on uh, the library reach UI, which sort of one of the OG um, component libraries in react uh, rooted around accessibility. Um, that project has sort of been superseded by some other projects. Um, another one that I worked on uh, that superseded Reach was Radix UI. I was on that team for a little while um, and then started working full time on Remix. Um, so I, I've been in the open source zone for a long time and decided that I felt pretty disconnected with that uh, the real world of the development or what I would call <clears throat> uh, non-developer focused products. Um, and Turns out building for developers and non-developers are is a very different job in some ways. And so like I, I started to feel a little disconnected from the uh, the rest of the world and wanted to get back in that. So I started to jump um, I, I wanted to jump back into a product. So I'm I'm back on a small startup team uh, working on a uh, a page builder for Shopify storefronts. Um, and I wanted to tee all that up because I in, in having sort of both sides of that, uh, both perspectives. Um, I've been able, or yeah, I've been able to learn and get exposed to um, a lot of service area as far as uh, newer web APIs, especially on the framework side. You, you, when you build a framework, you really start to dig in, and you know, working at that lower level, you, um, you you get exposed to what all the web can do nowadays, and so that that's that's really exciting. And uh, another job of mine on the Remix team was showing people what you can do um, with all of the raw web APIs because Remix sort of like gives you a foundation to to use those rather than uh i think a lot of us who work in react we we work with react abstractions for a lot of things which are fine uh and great but a lot of times uh you don't necessarily need those abstractions and you can do a lot with a lot less when you have these great new apis so as far as like things that i'm excited about uh you know one of them that this is like kind of basic and for a lot of people like i think a lot of people don't even know we have this problem but um, when you build dark mode into your website, um, and let's say you have a React application, you're server-side rendering that application, and you have dark mode, uh, you, you can just use CSS media queries to determine dark and light mode, and that's fine. But somebody on your team comes and says, we want a little toggle 
on the uh, in your header that actually lets the user toggle dark mode in the website. Well, that changes your entire implementation because now you can't really rely on CSS because it that targets their system preferences, not your your little website thing. So you have to implement it entirely differently. And so you go through and you refactor your code and um, you, you you add a class to the top level HTML component that says dark mode. And now you sort of switch based on that class. Well, now you have a hydration problem potentially because on the server, you have no idea about any of that. And so the server rendered React HTML is sent down and it's not you don't have that dark mode class yet. So, okay, well, I add a little script tag that adds that. Well, now you have potential hydration errors because React depends on the server tree being identical to the hydrated tree uh, when it's rendered in the client. Um, and so you now suddenly have a very simple task otherwise that has become infinitely more complex because of how React works. Um, and so we've got all of these really interesting solutions to this problem floating around uh, there on the web. All of them involve uh, way more code than you would expect for such a simple thing. Well, we now actually have potentially a server-side solution to this issue, and that is with client headers. And I think this is pretty cool. There are a lot of client headers, but and this is an experimental tech, by the way. It's not like fully fleshed out or supported across all browsers. But um, now you can send uh, the client can send headers to the the server to tell you ahead of time what preferences I might have for things like darker light mode, for reduced uh, motion, for all of these different things that we have CSS media queries for. But now we have ways to communicate that to the server, so the server can actually send us back um, HTML based on that, or you know, server can send back anything based on those preferences. So um, I think that's potentially really powerful. It, for, for the very uh, lower level case or the, the simple case of just dark mode, like I explained, like that's a pretty small thing. But you can imagine this API being used for uh, advanced web apps that require lots of motion or animation. And like the server gets a request and can send back a response, basically letting the user know they need to do this, this, and this before they can actually use the application for, you know, like it, it, you can do a lot with this API potentially. Um, and you now no longer rely on a bunch of client-side code to uh, to execute. So I think that's really cool. Um, I will be so excited the, the, to see that actually supported. I was going to say the client header thing, just to, just to uh, I mean, I'm, I'm asking a question, but also to elaborate for other folks. Like, I, I think that's a, that's a thing where you like, you would literally send like an accepts header, for example. If you're sending a request to an API, you can say accepts application JSON and it'll respond with JSON. You can say ex accepts text HTML and it responds with HTML. So yep. in this case, you would send like a specialized accepts type header that would say expects dark mode. Is that kind of how that works? And then the server decides what to render based off of that. Yep, that's exactly right. So server sees that it. header and uh, responds with a different payload, essentially. But, but how do you send it? Like you open up your browser tab and you go to mywebsite.io. Oh. The user doesn't send anything. It reads from system preferences. So right now, this only works in Chrome. But um, the idea is that it just is going to oh. send your system preferences over to the server. It does it automatically for all anywhere you go on the web. The browser just sends them so that dark mode can work. Uh, I'm not entire. I think that's the case. I haven't looked at this in a, in a minute, but I have it implemented on my own website um, as like a progressive enhancement. But I'm going to take a look at the network tab and just triple check that while we're talking. But um, yeah, I think it just is, it, it just comes along with the, the request, if I'm not mistaken. 
The toggle switch thing, uh, I'm sorry, you engineering sniped me. Like the toggle switch thing is interesting. Like, um, because, you know, if someone toggles it, they're, you're, they're overriding their system settings. Right. So that, that header would mean nothing in that case. And you, it couldn't affect the header because the header is being sent by the browser. So like you would have well, to, send, okay. I guess you could send it with cookies, right? Like you can no. send a cookie that would be like, Hey, the, so yeah, with, with that particular example, the issue I think is sort of the initial render. So if you decide that now I want to use a class on the HTML to determine light or dark mode, I don't know what the first render is supposed to be. Uh, and if I want to base the first render on system preferences, so that's, I, maybe I overlooked that part, but that's the kind of the idea because you, right now you can say, either use system preferences or use this class name on the top of the HTML to determine darker light mode. But if I wanted to, if I wanted to use the second approach, but I wanted to use system preferences to determine what the default value is, if the user hasn't made a selection yet, that's kind of the use case for that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So one, one of those two things has to be the source of truth. It is, you either need to use the system preferences or you need to use the presence or absence of this class name on the, the top. And, I mean, there's certainly ways, like I said, there are a bunch of ways and hacks to work around that. Um, but if you want sort of the best of both worlds, you can say what you, you can send back that class in the HTML based on their system preferences. What if you, uh, so there's no way to add that special script tag yourself without creating hydration issues. Like if you just put a script tag in the head, will that still cause a hydration error? I guess it would if you're using next because there, yeah, there is a, a package called uh, use dark mode. It's uh uh, Donovan, I can't remember his last name, but everybody in the React world knows Donovan. Uh, he's got this use dark mode package that um, has been working around this issue for, I think, like the last six or seven years. Um, and it, I mean, it works. There's there's definitely ways to do it. It's just kind of hacky and a lot of client-side shenanigans to, to make it work without hydration issues. I wonder if things like Tailwind make this any easier, right? Like if if all of well, your if all of your colors are in variables, you could in theory be like, oh, I calculate, I'm flipping some thing, and now I'm I'm uh, all of these variables are set to something else, right? Like you could render it one way, or you could even reset them with JavaScript. Yeah, um, so Tailwind gives you uh, that option too. They they ask you, do you want to base it on an HTML class at the top of the tree, or do you mm -hmm. want to base it on user preferences? And so it is still an either or situation. Um, internally, Tailwind is going to just flip a bunch of CSS uh, variables to, to, to give you the dark right. and white colors. And I think the colors are the same, but you just have this dark modifier on your on each class name. But, uh, but you effectively have the same issue, right? Like you still need, as far as implementing the toggle switch, you still need to be able to read from either the class name or from user preferences, but you have to pick one. Are you so gonna, if, does that mean you're if, pro tailwind? Toggle switch. I'm sorry. Does that mean you're pro tailwind? Men, you are really looking for the hot takes. I hey, said, Ben. Um, ben brought it up. <laughs> well, I, I'm just man. Nothing gets people riled up like tailwind, and I will never, for the life of me, understand why. But uh, I think tailwind's a great tool. I like yeah. it. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm not anti tailwind. I'm not a tailwind fanboy, but I'm not anti tailwind. I think it is a fantastic tool uh, that has uh, its own trade offs and. Uh, what I think big Tailwind fans miss is the fact that the Tailwind team itself acknowledges those trade-offs and has built a ton of really great tooling to compensate for those trade-offs. So it's not controversial to say there are pros and cons to Tailwind. Tailwind uh, developers know that. They've, they've built tools to deal with that. So I think that's just like a pretty 
reasonable take yeah. on i mean it's you're, you're, you're in a pro tailwind uh room right now so. no it's and that's uh, not, like i use it at work we use it at work uh, i've used it on personal projects i've it it allows for I we mean, don't have to go yeah pros and cons. <laughs> to be, a lot to of be pros, clear right to be clear i'm i am pro atomic css and tailwind is like the the most common atomic CSS right now. Like if I was making a really small app that I was just maintaining by myself, it would still be atomic CSS, but it might not be tailwind. It might be something like, you know, smaller or bespoke made by myself, but I don't yeah. have time to make bespoke things anymore. I'm not, I'm not about that life. No, tailwind. I don't have time is... to make small projects for myself either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tailwind's great. I, I think it's a great tool. I think that they've uh, continued to make it better. Um, the community around it has made a lot of really awesome tools for Tailwind yeah. too. Just, it's just a really powerful uh, tool. And what's so your biggest I What's your biggest trade-off with Tailwind that like if you had to tell somebody what you think the biggest con is? Um, so, well, so, like one of the things, like I mentioned that with a lot of the, the cons, the Tailwind team has built tooling to deal with these cons. Like one of the cons with, with Atomic CSS in general is that you have, you know, a million different uh, classes you have to memorize to figure out what they actually do, right? Like, so you have to like memorize this this new syntax for things that you otherwise probably already know because in CSS they're pretty, you know, you you know the CSS, so like, or ideally you know the CSS. So now I have like two conventions to remember. I have two syntaxes to remember. And so when I'm working in Tailwind, uh, like especially at the very beginning when I first started using it, I just had the Tailwind docs open at all times, and I'm constantly going back. To like, how do you do the CSS thing in Tailwind? And what is the Tailwind way of doing this thing? Um, and sometimes the Tailwind way of doing things is can be really frustrating. Like if you're working with CSS Grid, for example, the syntax for trying to produce like specific uh, custom grids in CSS to do that in Tailwind, the quote unquote Tailwind way is kind of a nightmare. And so like they don't even give you the uh, I don't think they have utilities for defining custom grid areas. I might be wrong, but at least in the beginning they didn't. And and that's probably fine because another problem with I think Tailwind is that, or I'm sorry, another problem with I think people that use Tailwind is that when you're using Tailwind, you have this kind of obsession of doing everything the Tailwind way. And yeah, it's that's still everything. producing CSS, right? Like you can still just write some CSS occasionally. And that's kind of okay. <laughs> so, don't be afraid to actually get in your CSS file if the tailwind way is to, if it gets in your way, right? Sometimes it's hard to bridge the gap between business objectives and tech implementation, and it can get messy. This dot is trusted by top names like Meta, Google, and T-Mobile, and they love helping business leaders fulfill their strategic digital initiatives. Check them out at thisdot.co. One more time, that's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O. It's um, like a, it's like the, Ben, you know, being so excited about RxJS and telling everybody about RxJS. And now every time you talk to him, it's like, don't use RxJS. So you're gonna like a few years later, you're gonna have the Tailwind guys just going, stop, stop using Tailwind. No, so <laughs> well, like the, the whole the whole thing with the the Tailwind way, like the 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 truth is, if you work uh, like Angular, React, or or anything like RxJS, the the masses, the people, the the good people of the earth, the salt of the earth developers are looking for the tailwind way, the RxJS way, the angular way. They all want to be spoon fed, spoon fed the way. And they think they come up with these uh, things based off of examples they see on the internet. And they're like, this is the way, this is the only way. Right. And the, the truth of the matter is if it works, 
you can maintain it and you can test it, it's correct. I don't give a crap what it looks like as, as long as all of those needs are met, like I don't care what it's made with or if it's the way or not, like it done. Um, yeah. And, and as a React person, like I've learned this lesson the hard way with React so many times. Like you just, it's the same thing. Like, how do I do this the React way? How do I satisfy React's like paradigm and opinions on things? And, and sometimes you spend so much time trying to figure that out that you forget to even go back to the basics and, and look like, what is the web way? Like, what are the web APIs that would enable me to do this thing? And that's going back to the, the topic at hand. Like, that's another reason I really enjoy learning about new web APIs, because oftentimes you can solve your problems with, with way less code, with way less complexity by just reaching for web APIs for things that otherwise seem really complicated. Where do you poke um, on the, the latest web APIs? Do you go to like web.dev to figure out all the experimental funness? Web.dev is fantastic. Um, I also follow a lot of the people who published a web.dev on Twitter, a lot of, especially in the CSS space. You've got people like uh, Jay Hay and uh, Adam Argyle uh, always promoting these really uh, bleeding edge changes in CSS that enable mm -hmm. so much stuff. So like, you know, following the right people and just sort of staying tuned to what they're saying. Uh, mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. who work on the specs are really good to follow. Um, sometimes it gets a little academic, so you it, it's nice to find people who can take the academic stuff and present it in a very practical way. Uh, I think yeah. that's, like, in particular, those two I mentioned, uh, Jay Hay and uh, Adam Argyle are very good at that kind of thing, just like mm -hmm. presenting actual demos. Uh, Una is another one. Sorry, I don't remember Una. all everyone's last names, but... Um, but uh, Kravitz. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, still never met her, actually. I'd like to change that at some point because She's I super follow nice. her online I, forever. I, I DM her all the time when I'm like, wait, does CSS have a way to do this yet? Or is that usually it's like not, it's, I'm looking to see if there's anything coming down the pipe for something particular in CSS. Like, for mm -hmm. example, anchoring like a, a tool tip next to something such yeah. that when the, when the viewport changes, it moves to where it needs to be. Stoked like about that new API too. That doesn't exist yet, but it's coming. And like, I can't tell you how many times I've had to write the logic to do that in my 20 plus year career and thought to myself, why the hell am I doing this? The operating system knows how to do this. Like clearly Chrome knows how to do this. Like why, mm -hmm. <laughs> why am I doing Well, for, for, for the people who are, you know, again, another hot take, I'm all, I'm all about the hot takes today. Yes, uh, Chance. But um, if we don't, Go, if we're not on Twitter, because we've all abandoned Twitter, then web.dev? Web.dev's great. Um, also, just following random projects uh, mm. where you see people working on these. Like, all the specs happen in the open, right? You can mm -hmm. just go on GitHub and, and read specs for new APIs. Mm -hmm. You can go to um, like any, any web spec, whether it's CSS, JavaScript, all of this discussion happens in the open, which is really great. So mm -hmm. um, like I said, it, it can get pretty academic at times and get into the weeds. And uh, it's hard sometimes to pull back and like see the big picture. Um, but yeah, if you can learn to to do that, it's it's really, really useful. Um, but one of the projects that I follow that I really enjoy is OpenUI, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually where the, um, the popover API that you mentioned, Ben, that's where that originated. Uh, they also have originated the select menu API, which is kind of like a new version of select that allows you greater amount of uh, customization. Uh, so a lot of new APIs are coming out of open UI. Um, very much worth following that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the, a tip that I would have for people that are watching this too is, is let's just say that you like 
because some of those people are like, well, where did Chance even learn about that? Where did like, honestly, if just going through your engineering career in general, every time you go to do something, even if it's in a way that you've done it a hundred times before, look at it and just assume that there's a better way to do it. And then ask yourself, all right, if I had to figure out the better way to do this, like, what would I search for? And then search. And sometimes you find out there isn't a better way to do it. And, but other times you'll find out interesting related information and you'll probably still keep your implementation of whatever you did. But like the, one of the ways that I learn things personally that are like new to me is I, I'll just, I just assume my code is trash and that there's probably a better way to do it. And then I, I go and I look and, you know, I find out, Oh, there's this new API that does exactly what I want to do. Or, I f and then I find out it's experimental and it doesn't exist yet. And I have to keep with my, whatever my thing is, or, um, you know, I find out some related thing and some other useful tidbit of information, but yeah, just staying curious and staying, uh, with the realization that there's probably a better way to do what you're doing with some trade-offs, like, and then researching it constantly is a good idea because it's always moving underneath your feet. So, I mean, I also learn a lot from coworkers too. Like you just. You submit a PR, like experience just brings a lot of these things. You submit a PR, somebody looks at it and says, hey, did you know you could do it this way? I don't, you know, I didn't now. Um, so yeah, just experience too. Um, contributing to open sources is another great one, especially if you're new to the workforce and you don't have as much exposure um, for as far as your coworkers are concerned, you can go into just start contributing to open source, like submitting PRs to random projects. And even if it's small things, right? Like, uh, you can just learn a lot by reading open source too. Like that's honestly, before I even contributed to open source, I learned so much about how to build React components by reading the Reach UI source code. Way before I was a maintainer and a contributor, I was just really in love with that library. I used it a lot, but then I realized it was missing some core components that I needed. And so I, but I wanted to build components the same way that they were building components. So I went into the source code and read how it was done. And I learned a lot that way too. So just Reading and being active on open source is also a really great way to, to learn about these things. One of the things I love about open source is because it's open, it's a just highly underutilized learning material all over the place. Yeah. Well, so Chance, as we wrap up, what are you excited about this year? Man, um, I'm excited about uh, a, a lot of things. I'm excited about uh, in the React world, RSC being kind of it feels like the last few years there's been a lot of hype around uh, the coming of RFC or RSC and then finally the implementation and next. But now seeing you've got Parcel starting to integrate uh, RSC into Parcel, you've got um, Remix starting to explore how that's going to look in the Remix side of things. You have these different uh, different takes on how to implement it, uh, and they're going to look radically different, I think. But I think that's also really great like you it, it gives us way more options on the server side um, in react so I, i'm really excited to see all of those implementations flesh out and see what it actually enables to do because i do believe the apis and the possibilities with rsc are still yet to be determined um, mm. i'm really excited to see how that plays out i'm really excited about css i've css was kind of my first love as a front-end guy and uh sort of took a backseat to to React and JavaScript as I went into deep open source world. And now I'm sort of coming back out and really getting excited about newer CSS APIs and um, just really embracing how much code that lets us delete. Like, all, like, like you said, Ben, all of the 
wild stuff we had to do to get popovers positioned correctly. Like the fact that we would just be able to get rid of all that, pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's so many examples of stuff like that that are just now like things that were endlessly complex are now totally trivial with new CSS features. Con so. Context menus and accordions and yeah. Like yeah. there's a few transitions APIs, like yeah. the, the fact that you can now sort of simulate a spa without actually building a spa, pretty cool. Um, so single page application, sorry. Is, do you got, do you remember the ActiveX ones that only worked on like IE4? <laughs> oh uh <laughs> they do like they, they'd have like these these like overlay like the blinds they'd go like this or they'd like swipe up oh like, yeah i do remember yeah. that i brought that up the other day castle's gonna say you're too old i do not well, remember no that. i so i wasn't a developer <laughs> at the time so i don't remember it like i never implemented any Chance of it like, i remember experiencing it as a user i was six like i used it in middle school I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember who it was. I think it's one of the oh, Asperger's guys or something. I was on Twitter and someone's like, oh, look at this new transitions thing. And just being snarky, I was like, I could do this 20 years ago. <laughs> like, and then you go and you look in the MDN document, the documentation on Microsoft still exists and it's wildly outdated and it doesn't work anywhere anymore. But like, you can go and be like, oh yeah, look on page transition, it looks at this meta tag and then you do like this crazy... <laughs> I think somebody did that on one of Adam's uh, tweets a while ago. Adam Arga, he tweeted something about a new CSS feature and in, in doing like infinite uh, scrolling ticker or something. And someone was like, why don't you just use a marquee? <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah, I could do this 20 years ago. Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, sort yeah, that's of, a, not really. That's the first, the first uh, thing I ever did as a programmer at work was make a, um, was make a, a thing. Do you remember the window.status bar? So yeah, yeah. yeah, so it still exists. You can find window.status, but I had to do this thing where uh, I had to make text that go in that window.status bar to say that the deals of the day on this on this e-commerce site and it would tick across, right? And that was when I learned about sent interval. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, I don't know, like, how do I figure this out? And then I figured it out and they're like, whoa, I can't believe you did that. I thought for sure that, I think they're trying to get me fired. <laughs> so they're trying to do. <laughs> we're going to give him an impossible task that he cannot right. eat so we can get rid yeah. of him. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Chance, what are you? What are you doing this year? Where do we find you hanging out? Yeah, so I am uh, building a course. I started building it a couple years ago, and then uh, kind of pressed pause because life got in the way. But I'm uh, back on my my course train. It's called Front to Back. And it is uh, specifically geared for front-end developers who are interested in learning about and uh, getting comfortable in the back-end. So people like cool. myself, basically. Yes. Um, I started out very much as a front-end focused person and at a certain point realized that that was severely limiting me and wanted to expand my horizons and um, learned a lot over the years. And I'm uh, hoping to build a course for people like that who want to dive into become that quote unquote full stack developer, or at least get comfortable working with and exposed to backend code. So um, very much excited about building that out, uh, working on a module on servers right now. So uh, really excited about that. Um, and I don't know, conferences uh, this year, got a few of them. I know Adam wants me to go to render ATL. So I'm going to try and uh, go hang out with Adam again this year in Atlanta. Um, going to try definitely going to react Miami in a few months. I just bought my tickets to that. Um, be my first conference as an attendee in a while. I'm pretty excited to not have to put together a talk, so it'll be fun. Um, I don't know, maybe a couple more. We'll see. But excited to get some snowboarding in this year. Got an icon pass, so excited to use that. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I got engaged, so that's congrats. Cool. Um, 
so we're now in wedding planning mode. So yeah. That's taken up Congrats. a big part of so my life. So you are younger than you look now. No, I just waited way too long. We've been together for like seven years, so I just am very slow. Yeah. <laughs> I told a bunch of people, and they're like, I thought you were already engaged. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> just making it official. Yeah. yeah. That's so. funny. That's funny. Yeah, big year. Oh, well, congrats. Are you getting married soon? Uh, no, I don't think that's even possible anymore. You got to book venues like a year out. It's, yeah. I'm learning a lot about the wedding industry that I, I also have. I, I have some hot takes on the wedding industry if you want to do a side podcast about that. <laughs> but um, no, we're, we're probably looking at spring next year. Nice. Cool. We're invited, right? Just kidding. Sure, we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. You can follow uh, Ben on Twitter at Ben Lush, Adam at Adam Rackus, myself at Lady Leap. Um, and then Chance is Chance the Dev. Right. So uh, we hope to see you soon and um, let us know what you think of this episode. And I don't know. Thanks, see you later. Appreciate it. Before we get back to our conversation, this we wanted to say thank you to this dot by this dot labs, a former prognostic consultancy that specializes that in JavaScript. To on time, you can find them at this dot dot co slash labs. That's T H I S D O T. They specialize in helping business leaders and show their strategic digital initiatives stay on track. Trusted by companies like PlayStation, Capital One, Herman Miller, PayPal, and T-Mobile, you can find them at this dot dot co. That's T H I S D O T dot co. Now, let's return to our show.